Hey there, I'm Abel, and it's so good to join you today. Throughout this month, we've been taking a journey across all the ministries of HTBB to explore what it means to have life to the full. We've been doing this together with the children, youth, parents, connect groups, not only as a sermon series, but as a series of conversations that extend beyond the Sunday service. And that's because we believe that life isn't a tragedy, it's not an accident or an illusion, but life is a gift that is beautiful, purposeful, and abundant. And you can be full of life today. This life is possible if you know Jesus. But what is this abundant life? How does it look like? As humans, we instinctively know that we want an abundant life, but we don't always know where to find it from. I once heard about the story of a father and his 10-year-old son. And one day, this son asked his father, Dad, where did I come from? His father took a deep breath. And then it was in this moment that he realized that he had carefully prepared for this moment for years. He and his wife had read books about having this conversation one day when their child comes of age. And so this father took his son on a long car ride and began to explain everything about what happens when people fall in love with each other, when they get married, how children are made. And after two hours of explaining everything about human reproduction, he asked his son, okay, son, does this answer your question about where you come from? To which his son says, oh, wow, dad, that's a lot to take in. But my friend, Matt, he told me that he came from Kuantan. Today, you can know for sure where this abundant life comes from. As Christians, we believe that this life comes from two ways. Firstly, it comes from receiving something from outside of ourselves. And secondly, it comes from living for something beyond ourselves. Over the last few weeks, we have looked at the first thing, how the good life comes from hearing the voice of the good shepherd. The good life comes from God, the giver of life. And you don't have to settle for a life filled with anxiety and exhaustion. You can receive the love of God, a peace that transcends all understanding. You can be filled with God's spirit that gives you rest. But there is a second part to living life to the full. And it comes from living for something beyond ourselves. This is what I want to talk to you about today. The World Health Organization defines mental wellness like this, a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. We were meant to live lives of contribution. It's when we lose ourselves in the service of others that we experience life in all its fullness. And as people who are made in the image of God, we have a mission to steward and cultivate goodness, to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. God has made us to be contributors. And the measure to which we experience life to the full is the measure to which we share that life with others. So I want to read to you today Jesus' words to us from Matthew 15, verse 13 to 16. Here's verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Lord, we pray that these words would be true of us, that we would be salt and light to the people that we live around. In Jesus' name, amen. Our culture has much to say about where the good life comes from and what does this look like? But the Christian answer to a good life stands apart from all the other worldviews because it provides not only a vision of flourishing, but the source of it, the means to achieve it, and the purpose behind it. So I want to ask you today, what if the biggest joys you will ever experience in life do not come from what you do for yourself, but who you are for others? In 2013, some researchers in the University at Buffalo published a really interesting five-year study involving over a thousand adults. And this study looked at people between the ages of 34 to 93. And they asked two questions to each of these participants. Number one, how much stress have you experienced in the last year? And number two, how much time have you spent helping out others, your neighbors, friends, or community? And they used public records for the next five years to find out who died. Now, what about you? Did you have a major moment of stress in your life recently? The results from this study were fascinating. For every major stressful life experience that increased the risk of dying by 30%, the way they were affected by their stress had a noticeable effect on their well-being. But, and there is a but, this wasn't true for everyone. The people who answered the second question saying that they had spent time caring for others, looking out for their well-being, had absolutely zero risk of dying from stress-related experience, even if they had major moments of stress the year before. You see, caring creates resilience. When we live in communities of belonging and contribution, it benefits not only the people that we serve, we gain life when we share our lives with others. Why? The Bible says it's because that's who we are. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth. And then in verse 14, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Now notice, he does not say you should behave like salt and shine like light. And, and here are 10 tips on how to be salty and bright. But it says, You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It is who you are made to be. And he made us this way, not to exhaust us or extinguish us of our energy, but to excite us with adventure and to energize us with purpose, to liberate us even because there is more than me in this life. And this is the good news for us. Salt and light need only to be around to make a difference. It's not based on performance, but based on presence. So what does it mean to be salt and light? I believe that God wants us to live lives of blessing and favor, of excitement and joy, of identity and purpose. And it starts with us embracing the lives we are meant to live. So here are three ways that we live as salt and light. Number one, be distinct. The first thing we see about salt is that salt is distinct. The value of salt is tied to its quality of being distinct. And when Jesus used salt as the analogy to describe his disciples, he would have evoked a very powerful picture for the people listening to him. Throughout history, salt has been important for life. Salt is sodium chloride, the only mineral we can take from the earth and eat. All others need refinement. In fact, we could die without enough of salt in our bodies. Entire cultures used to exchange salt as money. Some of the earliest roads in civilization were used to transport salt. Entire wars were waged to secure salt. 
and we commonly find salt today in our kitchens, but the earlier civilizations would have seen salt in at least two primary functions. Number one, a seasoning to enhance flavors. Only a little bit is needed to bring out the flavors of food. You don't need a lot of it, but we, when you don't have it, you know it. And number two, as preservative to resist decay. As you know, there were not um, any fridges in ancient times, and the only way to preserve meat was to salt it. Interestingly, salt was also commonly used outside of the kitchen. In another part of scripture, we are told about how salt was used to fertilize the soil and to disinfect manure. In other words, salt multiplies what is good and overcomes what is bad. It brings out the best and resists the worst in its surroundings. And in the same way, as followers of Jesus, our presence can make good things grow wherever we're called to in your workplace, your family, in the corridors of your school or in the pantry of your office, in moments of play or in meetings at work, you can bring out the distinctiveness of Jesus' way, truth and life to the world around you. I think of Kenneth who decided to follow Jesus only two years ago on Alpha. And Kenneth is now one of our food bank volunteers delivering food packs to families in need transporting children from a children's home to ensure that they get to church every Sunday on time. Or a group of Christians in our church who are organizing a Christmas project this year to fund and match Christmas gifts to 500 children from underprivileged backgrounds so that they can experience some Christmas cheer. I think about that business owner in a connect group who, whose life mission is to start small businesses that give employment to people who are marginalized, to give them an opportunity to make a living and do purposeful work. You see, being salt and light means the difference in us makes a difference around us. So be distinct. Number two, be present. The second thing that we see in salt is that it must be applied to be useful. For salt to be useful, it's not enough for it to be distinct. It has to be present where it's needed. I have here with me a jar of salt. It's not a lot, and from afar, it's not easy to tell if it's salt, sugar, or flour. But it only takes a little grain of salt for you to know what it is. Salt is distinct, but distinctiveness alone is not enough. Now imagine if I have some food to season, and instead of opening the jar, I simply bring the jar close to the food. Job done. That's good for nothing. Salt is distinct, but it must be applied. It's different, but it must be used. You have to take the lid off and then you have to apply it for it to be making a difference. And in the same way as followers of Jesus, being salt means being distinct from the world and also being involved in the world. In Romans 12 verse 2, we read in the Bible, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. And being salt and light points to the fact that there is decay and darkness in the world. And Jesus is on a mission to overcome this with goodness and fullness of life. But this comes with proximity and presence. So be distinct but also be present. Now, if we're honest, that's not always easy, right? Much easier to be different by the part. It's easier to be different when you're far away from the people you're different from. People won't hurt you. The consequences of being distinct matter less from the safety of distance. Much easier also to be involved, but alike. 
It's easier to live with others and not be too different from them, to be really similar. Don't rock the boat, blend in to fit in, but also deny what's distinct about you. But we are called to be both distinct and present, untainted and yet engaged in the culture we live in. So don't be afraid of standing out while stepping in. Never underestimate the gifts you may bring to the people you're called to. In verse 13, Jesus said these words, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And Jesus is saying here, be salty. Be who I made you to be. Salt must be scattered and applied because it doesn't exist for itself. Its value is being applied to other things. What if there is a way of belonging that blesses others because of the distinctiveness in you? What if the thing that you feel most limited about is exactly what God wants to use to bless others about? What if your distinctiveness is the key to unlocking someone's abundant life in Christ? Your presence makes a difference. This week, an Alpha colleague told me about her friend Holly, a university student who went on an Alpha course this year. And all her life, Holly thought she was an atheist, but one day someone invited her to come on Alpha, and so she went along. Somewhere along week three of the Alpha course, her best friend tragically committed suicide. It was the most traumatic, depressing episode of her life, and Holly couldn't even bring herself to leave her house, much less go on that next Alpha session. But when the day came for the next Alpha session, Holly felt a voice in her saying, come to Alpha tonight. So she dragged herself out, she went that night, and at that small group, one of her friends asked her, are you okay? You don't look very well. And Holly told her what happened. And her friend said, you know, when I'm sad, I pray to God and God would carry my grief. Can I pray for you? Holly said, yes. And this person prayed for her and immediately it was as if the weight had fallen off her shoulders. That night, Holly gave her life to Jesus. And from there, everything changed. Holly was a new person, distinct and different from the Holly that used to be. She was still grieving the loss of her best friend, but she had a new strength to live purposefully, almost as if she wanted to make her best friend proud. In the next term of Alpha, she helped to run an Alpha near her university and two of her housemates came along and they gave their lives to Jesus. Then all three of them got baptized. Her lifestyle changed. Knowing Jesus meant that she wanted to make good choices for her life. And so Holly signed up to join the gym to get fit and healthy. And one day at the gym, while she was exercising, she noticed a guy walking in who was looking a little pale. So Holly walked up to him and asked him, you look a little bit pale, are you okay? And he said, no, I'm not okay. My finger's super swollen, I just slammed my hand on the door. And Holly said, you know, in church, we often pray for people to be healed. And so can I pray for you? And he said, well, my hand is really painful anyway, so why not? And she prayed for him, Lord Jesus, would you help his finger? In Jesus' name, amen. And his finger was completely healed, no more pain and swelling. At that moment, another guy walked in to see what was going on. And Holly and the guy told him what had happened. And then he said, oh, that's so cool, but actually I have a bad back as well. Can you pray for me? And Holly prayed for him and immediately his back was immediately healed. Holly was distinct and present. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth. Your value is in your distinctiveness. And you don't need a lot of salt to make a difference. 
A recent study in the University of Pennsylvania discovered that the tipping point for a united and committed minority to change the culture is just 25%. It only takes a quarter of any group to change the trend. You don't need a majority to change the status quo. You don't need to have the highest rank to move the needle. You only need a little to catalyze change. And the Bible is full of examples of small groups of committed people who were set apart people who showed up to make a massive difference to the world. Take Daniel and his friends, Shadrach and Abednego. Their courage in the fiery furnace, their countercultural faith in a system that held different values changed an entire generation. Take Gideon and the army of 300. Their smallness didn't affect God's might. Together they fought a battle that was humanly impossible to win, but their obedience was enough for God to use to bring peace to Israel. Take Nehemiah and his team of rebuilders, a nation in ruin rebuilt on the hands and shoulders of people who saw the same vision of unity and renewal. And notice how Jesus refers to saltiness as making peace and bringing peace. On another occasion when Jesus spoke about salt in Mark 9 verse 50, Jesus said, have salt in yourself and be at peace with each other. Saltiness is about unity. It's about our shared distinctiveness, our calling to be a people of peace and agents of unity. But the opposite is also true. We can lose our saltiness when we lose our peace with the people that we're called to be united with. So the next time you show up at work or enter a difficult family situation, remember that you are salt. Remember your calling to be distinct and present. Remember your role to bring peace to others and to make peace with others. Maybe you could put a salt shaker at your work desk as a visual reminder to tell yourself who God has made you, but maybe just don't put salt in a line at your desk. <laughs> Number three, be intentional. Be distinct, be present, and finally, be intentional. Jesus said in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Across scripture, in every book of the Bible, light is mentioned as a force of goodness that pushes back the darkness of the world. In the book of Genesis, on day one of creation, light was the first thing that God made. In Genesis 1 verse 3, we read, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that light was good and separated the light from the darkness. In 2 Samuel 22, David describes God as his light. You, Lord, are my lamp. The Lord turns my darkness into light. In Isaiah 9, the prophet foretells of a coming light, the light of Christ. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. But between the Old Testament and the New, for a period of about 400 years, there was a silence. It was as if God was saying nothing no more. The, the prophets had died, the people had forgotten. It was almost as if darkness had fallen on the people of God. Then at the start of the Gospel of John, with echoes of the Genesis account, we read these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all my, mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Jesus is the light of the world. He's the Word of God that was with God and is God. The Word that is a lamp unto our feet that illuminates our minds. But here in the Gospels, Jesus says something new, something that is utterly shocking. You are the light of the world too. In Matthew 5 verse 16, He says, Let your light shine. Jesus commissions us to be light, but we can't be light without Him. And like a candle wick that has to come close to a bigger fire, we catch that fire and reflect the light of something bigger. Jesus is the first light that illuminates our lives. And when we live in Him, that light shines out through us as well. Like Moses who needed to put on a veil over his face because it shone with the light of God's presence after he returned from meeting God. We as disciples of Jesus cannot be light ourselves, but we carry a reflection of His light. And I love how the Bible is so balanced. In one section, Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. But here, Jesus says, don't let the light of God, the light that has been put in you, don't let it be hidden. Shine it out, make it visible. So what's the difference? Light always points out something. It always makes visible something. And Jesus is saying, your purpose is to make visible the beauty and truth of God. Your purpose is to shine your life before others, not to be self-seeking or attention-grabbing, but to be God-glorifying. I have here with me a little light and set against some darkness. You only need a little light to illuminate the place. So let's turn off the lights here. You know, when Jesus said, people who light a lamp do not put it under a bowl, He was saying light doesn't exist for itself. It's only good if it makes other things visible. And your life may be the only Bible others read until they know God for themselves. The way you work, the way you talk, the places you go to can shine a light in the darkness around you. So shine it out so that they can see something of God. And in many ways, that makes a lot of sense, right? Light must shine. But what's the point of putting a light underneath a bowl? But you know, if I'm honest, there are many days when I'm not very keen to shine a light. Sure, it's easy to shine a light when I'm in church and we're singing, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. But on Monday, when someone cuts me in traffic, Or maybe when I'm with my Christian friends in a CG or in a team, it's easy to shine bright. Shine, shine, round, round, round. But when I'm at work in a meeting and something doesn't go to plan. In fact, I find for some reason, I can do my best shining when I'm usually far away from people. But walk downstairs from my room and walk into a kitchen full of mess. This is why Jesus says, a light must shine intentionally. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. A church built on a bucket called Bintang cannot be a secret. Let's shine the light of Christ. Let's give the light to others who need to see, not for our glory, but for the glory of God. Let's turn the lights back on. What if Christian communities all around the world are known for bringing goodness and life to others rather than preserving their own interests? What if we sought to bring peace and prosperity to our city rather than running away from the mess of this country? 
When you become part of the church, you become part of Christ himself. This isn't just a club or a weekend social activity, but a body and a mission. We're part of the work Christ is doing to redeem creation and to bring life to the full. Life in that board meeting with mixed agendas. Life in that client meeting with opposing values. Life in a family that still doesn't know God. Life in that circle of friends, in that tricky situation no one knows what to do about. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And God wants to fill us with His Spirit to love and serve the world. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's take a moment now to pray. And wherever you are, you may want to open your hands like this. It's just helpful body language that says, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. And we're going to pray that prayer, a simple ancient prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you, we love the things that you do in our lives and we need you right now. So we welcome you. Just receive now the strength and the joy that comes from the Spirit of God. You are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Just of a sense that God wants to raise new faith Wherever you are, I think particularly in the context of work and you're feeling a little outnumbered in a workplace where the values are different from your weekend experience. Maybe uh, you're a committed Christian and it's very different where you are during the weekdays. And God wants to give you new confidence that you are where He has put you. You're, you're meant to be where He has placed you because you are the light of the world. You're carrying the light that belongs to Christ into the world that needs to see light. I also have a sense that God really wants to raise um, people who are leaders uh, in the workplace, in the marketplace. Um, and right now, perhaps you feel like um, in your place of work, you don't feel like you have a lot of agency, but God wants to give you experience. Uh, he wants you to grow so that you may be useful where you are placed, to bring blessing and prosperity to your organization. And uh, there is room for growth right now where you are. And God wants you to invest in this season, to not give up, but to continue to push in because He's sharpening the ages um, of your skills to be a useful um, instrument wherever you're called. Also, I have a sense that there are some people who are in um, a home environment that is very tricky. And uh, the encouragement for you is that sometimes it's not what you need to say, it's not even what you need to do, but your presence is what makes the difference. And in the quietness um, of living in truth, God can do something amazing where you are placed in your family as well. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, for whatever needs that we have, we know a lot that we're called to live a life to the full. And that means sharing our life fully as well. And we pray that you help us to live openly with authenticity and with the love and kindness of God. Right now, as we worship you, wherever we are, as we listen to this, I pray that you would send your spirit, that you fill us with new boldness again, to be salt of the earth and light of the world. Amen. Dad.